Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, Rain or Shine, featuring performances by Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Everlove and Jug Band, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Crazy Four, David Francie, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Galacticats, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Lana Gurr and the Greatest State. Hungai, The Henrys, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Tommy Crest, Team, Thus Owl, Tribecastan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about producing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. Creative Control with Vish Well, my week-long celebration and promotion of the Hillside Festival in Guelph, which takes place this weekend, July 24th to 26th at uh, Guelph Lake, continues... With the third episode of the week, I mentioned at the top of the week that there might be five episodes. I've just been informed that there might be six. Six episodes. I don't think that's been done on this show before. I think I had four in one week once. Jesus Lizard Week. The Jesus Lizard Week, I think, was four. Did I do five? I can't remember. This feels like a lot, but I hope you're enjoying it. This episode features a conversation with Eric Woodhead who goes by the moniker Doldrums. They put out a record, or he put out a record recently, and then we're going to talk about that. It's called The Air Conditioned Nightmare. You're going to hear songs from it. And we'll talk about the Hillside Festival, because this is actually fitting. Eric is playing the Hillside Festival. I met Eric when he was a boy. His father, David Woodhead, would bring his kids, Eric and Daniel Woodhead, to the uh, Hillside Festival, and they would, they would... I think it had a profound impact on them as people and musicians. And we get into that a little bit. So it's fitting. It's fitting that Eric's on. So 
This is myself, Eric Woodhead of Doldrums. Enjoy this episode. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening the young and prodigious TV spivet, Sweet Francaise, She's Beautiful When She's Angry, Testament of Youth, Tribe, and more. And at the E-Bar, Shotgun Jimmy, Adrian Teacher and the Subs, Shopkeeper, and Human Music play a show together on Wednesday, July 22nd. And That's My Drag, The Show Must Go On, is staged at the E-Bar on Saturday, July 25th. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. is the electro-punk moniker of Eric Woodhead, who currently lives in Montreal. Woodhead has been making music publicly since he was 13 years old and was a founding member of the inventive, well-respected Toronto band Spiral Beach. Since Spiral Beach disbanded, Woodhead has been exploring other kinds of music, and the melodic, jarring, hazy sounds and doldrums really speak to his open mind and constant desire to challenge conventional perceptions of art. The latest album by Doldrums is The Air Conditioned Nightmare. It's out now via Sub Pop and has prompted Woodhead to tour the world, including a stop by the Hillside Festival in Guelph uh, coming up on the weekend of July 24th. Here now to discuss some of these things is the man behind Doldrums, Eric Woodhead. Uh, hi, Eric. How are you? Hi, Vish. Thanks for the uh, illustrious intro. Was it accurate? Did it capture you in some way? I think so, although I don't know if I, at 13, if I was doing anything beyond uh, playing cello in um, Celtic uh, backstage jams at Hillside. Oh, okay. Well, that, that still counts. You were at, that's public. You say backstage, but that was, <laughs> yeah, it, was true. it was in the open air. You know, you weren't just playing in, your, in a closet. Yeah. 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 Now, where, where are you right now? Uh, right now, I'm in Montreal and down the street from where I live 
in, in the Mile End, um, chilling at the Arbutus Records office. Nice. And you just got back from a, a trip? Yeah, yeah. Just did a whole tour of America and Europe. And um, kind of the first big headlining tour I've done. And yeah, it's pretty exciting. Now, it went well? You were happy with it? Yeah, for sure. My brother's band Moon King opened for America. And um, that was great because we're all, you know, old old buds. And your your brother uh, your brother uh, is playing with Maddie from uh, your old band as well. Yeah. So you yeah. have like at least three people from Spiral Beach hitting the road together. Yeah. There's and beyond that, there's kind of some extended friends of ours who, who we've known for you know ten odd years who are who are playing with us now. So you know, like Ewan and Steve, Ewan who's in Moon King and Steve who's in Doldrums. Are also um, old friends of ours, so yeah, it felt felt really like a like a solid uh, family. That's nice. So like when when that whole when the spiral beach thing ended, it wasn't uh, you know it, w- it was an amicable thing. You just thought the sound had run its course. Yeah, I think we needed to do different things. We'd been doing this band for seven years and had hadn't really lived you know lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So had to do some of that. Yeah, well, that's good. That so you 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 are uh, traveling with people from your old band, and everything's good. Like you, it was an amenable split, right? Like uh, when the when the when the spiral beach ended, you, you it was there were no hard feelings. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think um, musically, I wanted to do different stuff. I was already already kind of experimenting with tape loops and samples and stuff, um, and needed to kind of, as I said, like live live some life, do some lifey shit. Um, I found myself in Berlin for a little bit. That didn't really work out. So I went to the West coast for a little bit. Um, and then I ended up in Montreal, um, because I found a kind of group of people here who I found really inspiring. And that's uh, where I've stayed Been here for four or five years. Okay, yeah, I want to talk about this uh, Toronto versus Montreal thing with you in a, in a little bit. But uh, right off the bat, like this this new record of yours, the Air Condition Nightmare, it does have a a Henry Miller connection that I was reading about. Uh, can you elaborate upon that? Um, sure. Yeah that that trip that Henry Miller took um, when he was writing that those essays in his novel, The Air Condition Nightmare, um, that trip is exactly parallel with the routing that I've that I've toured like probably like five or six times starting in, uh, you start in the, in the, in the Northeast and, um, you know, Boston or New York or something. Then you go down to New Orleans and Florida and then you go across the South and you go to California and you, and you, you know, go up the West coast and he kind of, he writes about each place he's going to, um, in the fifties and, um, you know, it's post-war America and, and all those, all the consumer consumerism and capitalism that, that, taking foothold there is uh he's kind of critiquing it he's also kind of um romanticizing parts of it and um you know for in 2015 things look a lot different um you know we're still kind of living in this this post-war environment where there's still a kind of the reward system and everyone's feels entitled to this you know two-car garage kind of idea but of course the system doesn't really work anymore and so we're seeing it deteriorate. Um, so I think that's kind of an, an interesting, both parallel and dichotomy. Um, and also, I just love the title, The Air Conditioned Nightmare. I thought it kind of 
captured what I wanted to be talking about. Uh, my understanding is that Henry Miller did this rooting, but he had been away from America and then came back. Is that what happened? Yeah, he was one of the, the expats who, who left America and, and went to, to France, you know, him among other people, or among other writers at the time. And so his way of summing up the new American experience was to refer to it as an air-conditioned nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> that is, this is a reference to pollution and, 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 and so many other aspects that, you know, you leave a country and you come back and it's become, I guess, in an effort to become more comfortable uh, and, and uniformly con- comfortable, one of the things that he discovered was that people were using things like air conditioning. Yeah, and I think that 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 idea has has become kind of common, has become much more common knowledge in in our in our generation, especially. Um, I mean, if you look at a band like Radiohead or something like a huge band that's talking about all this uh, this dystopic modern imagery, um, and to have someone in the fifties kind of kind of read 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 into that read like read out of culture that message that early, I think is really smart. Um, I would also like to say though, that I try not to think too literally about any parallels with Henry Miller because he's also a misogynistic pig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, and I wondered about that. I mean, you, you obviously uh, drew this connection between travel routing, but are you yourself kind of articulating your disgust with the world that you live in? By by naming this record after his sentiment, the air conditioning nightmare. Um, I like I like the idea that the record is kind of like a like a map. Um, and each of the songs, this is how I've been thinking of it. Each of the songs is kind of like a different place in the map, and because um, each each one sounds like it has a kind of different landscape, all the the samples and everything kind of create a different texture. Mm-hmm. Um, so each song feels a bit different. Um. But I, may, I guess the main difference would be that I'm not really talking about societal stuff that much uh, in the lyrics. I'm, I'm more just singing about personal feelings and, um, you know, poetics and stuff. Um, so it's, it's actually, I guess, it's more of like the the environment is the air conditioned nightmare, but like the stuff I'm writing about is, is just more personal and kind of within that environment. I want to get I want to get into some of this personal stuff because I'm not clear if this is an, a particularly angry record for you. Um, but when I scan, when I listen to it, I pick up on a few things. And even when I scan some of the titles, uh, things like Video Hostage, and you've stylized the song I Death, I Death, to sort of uh, match Apple's iPod, I, iPad, whatever, just like the little I and then death. And I, I feel like you're making some, as personal as it is, I feel like you're making some commentary on you know, the world at large. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but again, it's, it's from, it's from the vantage point of, of, uh, like your emotional responses to that environment and to that society at large. Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to like a critique, a critique or something, is that definitely not the person to be doing that? Um, and also by the way, the IDEF thing is kind of a, a recontextualization of, um, like a Richard Brodigan, um, out of a Richard Brodigan book, mm-hmm. um, where I Death is this surrealist kind of place in uh, in in kind of in in this uh, fa- in this fantastical 
um, nowhere world that he describes. And um, there's this place called the Forgotten Works, and there's this place called Ideth, and this was written, of course, like in the 60s or something, and long before Apple. Oh, interesting. Huh. The, the, yeah, but he spells it the same, spells it the little I and the big D. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they got that from maybe maybe Steve Jobs or somebody got it from there. Yeah. This whole little I, you know, me and then something. It's always like me, I, me. Yeah, yeah. But the I'm e. I'm little compared to the thing. E this, I that. Yeah. E this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, this is at least two literary references uh, that you've that we've come upon with this book with this record. Were books. Uh, was I'm not trying to say was reading important to you, but uh, clearly you read some books and th- that stuff seeped into w- what you decided to write about. Yeah, I think books and movies both really in- influenced this this project. I mean, the name Doldrums came from that kid's book, The Phantom Tollbooth, where the the protagonist ends up in, and again in this this kind of like nowhere world, um, and and you can't escape, and it's called the Doldrums, and you know. Okay, and, and and going back to sort of the first half of my question, um, as personal as this record is, do you does it come from um, a, a critical place, an angry place? Uh, this record, let me think. There's there's some really sweet songs on it too. I don't want to want to want to play those down. Um, um, I wouldn't say angry. No, I wouldn't say there's a too much aggression there. Really, hmm. I would say there's there's sad there's sad songs and beautiful songs and kind of like paranoid songs, basically. <laughs> sad, beautiful, paranoid. That's how you're feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's how a lot of us feel all the time. Is there anything that you can think of that might have uh, influenced this sentiment within you? This sort of mix of joy, pain, and fear. I don't know. I guess that's just. That's just the, what I'm what I'm feeling. Okay, it's not it's not the country you live in. It's not. Uh, well, it is. It's everything. Yeah, it is. It's literally everything. So this yeah. is so it's personal, but it's about the world. It's yeah, it's personal in in the world. Right, right. Now <laughs> the, the faction of it. Yeah, the last time you and I spoke kind of formally, I feel like I may have seen you since then when we spoke on the phone a few years ago, we were discussing your, the last doldrums album, lesser evil. And at the time you were saying that you really didn't even like electronic music, that you were trying to kind of subvert it from within the way Frank Zappa would with psych rock, you know, he'd make fun of it, but he'd be playing the same kind of music or make fun of the, some of the people playing it. Have your views on, on electronic music or this idea of subversion, have they evolved since the last time we chatted? Absolutely. I think, okay, just to clarify, what I was referring to back then was that, that was when EDM was really, like, hitting its peak. So that was, like, you know, Tiesto and Dead Mouse and everyone. When you think about electronic music, that's what we were talking about. Um, and definitely at the time, like, you know, using a really crisp, clear, four-on-the-floor kick drum under a track, um, you know, would put me in that same sphere, which was ridiculous. I, I did, like, you know, and I do kind of detest that that commercialization of, of, uh, rave culture. Um, and, but at the same time, I think since then, especially, but even back then, there is a huge electronic community of people doing amazing things. That's, you know, not well recognized. Um, and it goes, it goes from noise musicians to techno musicians to electroacoustic musicians, like to use the term electronic music, uh, it kind of puts an umbrella over, 
all that stuff, which isn't really fair. Um, the one track I think on my record that might still be doing that almost satire or, or embracing of uh, the kind of EDM thing is the song Loops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I got to admit, I was shamelessly into this one Dead Nose track at the time when I made Loops. So I think I did actually crack and uh, end up getting into some EDM. <laughs> You know, sometimes uh, there's the old thing that goes around uh, pseudo-psychologists who say things like, you know, the thing that you're criticizing, the reason you're criticizing it is because aspects of it, of yourself are within the thing you're criticizing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I find that there's often a critique of, of things that they don't people don't understand, but that they, they're uncomfortable with because there's something within them that does like it. Right. So there's part of you that super into Dead Mouse, even though at the time you were like, these people are not don't necessarily exemplify the culture that I'm interested in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, you know, since, since then, since Lesser Evil, I've, I've started actually DJing more and, and getting more into techno and stuff. And like, there's a, there's some influences of that on the record. Um, like industry city or sim Jan or something or hot foot where I was kind of like trying to make some like techno, but singing over it and stuff. Yeah, sorry. When you say there, that that made its way onto the record, is it is it lyrically or is it just tonally? Like, is it, oh, just the, the the tones. Yeah. Although I, I would also say that that uh, I'm influenced kind of by the the ideolo- ideology behind like Derek May and some of those Detroit guys. Obviously, Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. Um, all their all their kind of like futurist aestheticisms. I really like, and Doldrums is like. To- I don't know, totally right in there. It's like kind of supposed to be this uh, cyberpunk kind of thing or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, it's not it's not as two-dimensional, though, as, as, you know, 80s stuff would be. It's it's kind of more just like how people are these days. It's, it's, it's not as fetishized. It's more just everywhere. Yeah. It's like, so let's take that show Black Mirror. The one that's the show where like the one actress plays the uh, every character. No way. No. no, that's a that's a different show. That's maybe Black Dahlia or something. It's I can't British, remember. This British miniseries called Black Mirror. What's going on on that show? I don't know that show. Oh, it's a. You should definitely check it out. It's like uh, it's kind of it's kind of like um, some. Uh, I, won't, I won't bother getting into it. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to know if you. I I like hearing recommendations of shows from people. Okay, I've... so yeah, each each episode is completely different characters and different uh, situation, and they'll take they'll take one kind of um, growing technology or emerging technology, and they'll they'll spin a really ridiculous plot from it. So one of the one of the technologies is like uh, people are all people all have these devices in their heads, and they're recording everything they see, and they can they can go back and watch everything they've done. And, you know, from a personal point of view, how that fucks with this one couple's relationship, when this guy gets obsessed with looking back on it, this memory of her uh, looking at some other guy, and then he gets jealous of this other guy. And then, like, she's rewinding, and they're all just constantly rewinding themselves and, hmm. and reanalyzing their relationship, and it gets super crazy. And you relate to this show artistically? Yeah, totally. Yeah, this, this show. Uh, what's my, okay? That that movie, Her, that came out. That 
Um, yeah, yeah, with the Spike Jones movie. Spike Jones. Um, there was a movie called by Jonathan Glazer called uh, Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. That was really, really good. Um, these are all like kind of what I'm talking about, where the it's sci-fi, but it's way, way more about the emotional implications from like a personal point of view. Um, you're you're really curious about how humans are interfacing with all of the various kinds of technology that we're being that are being kind of foisted upon us. Yeah, and how that kind of degrades our our our, um, our emotional aptitude, kind of. Hmm. That's, um, yeah. Yeah, because like we're we're extremely adaptable creatures, but when things just change too fast, we we can't we can't adapt as fast. You know, I, I always like talking to you because I appreciate your outspokenness. I appreciate your insights and your thoughtfulness about stuff like this. Um, so I wouldn't normally ask someone uh, this question that I'm talking to about maybe a record or something, but are there particular trends in music or pop culture or news that, that are bothering you right now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I find every time I... I normally have like a Facebook blocker thing on so I don't have to see the news stuff that comes up. Mm. Every time I do look at it, I just find the things that it's like traffic direction. People are all being directed on the internet to look at this one story, this one angle on a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the situation is always like so much more complicated. And like, you know, there was the, the shooting in the church last week. And Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And like, we didn't hear about the other churches that got burned down after that. Right. Did you know about that? Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing about it, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I find a lot of people aren't talking about that as much, and um, that just kind of makes me sad, for sure. But I'm really positive about about other things, too. Like, I think uh, I just... <laughs> actually, can I, can I tell you this kind of a sidetrack? But I'm um, speaking of, like, trippy shit, emerging technologies. Um I've been interested in, in kind of like genetics and, and all of the new fun things we're doing with genes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually found on the street this gene testing kit. Um, it costs like 250 bucks or something. And you basically, you spit into this tube and you send it into this company and they, they tell you, they read your code, basically. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they tell you what, what your genetic makeup is and all the things you can learn from that. So I feel like I'm, and I did it. So I feel like I'm taking my first steps into like transhumanism or something. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're totally intrigued by this. Oh yeah, totally. I think everyone's going to be doing it, you know, in the next like ten years, twenty years. What are you uh, What are you hoping to discover when you 
uh, take a test like this? Um, well, it's a bit scary because I definitely, you know, I'm, if I'm gonna get Alzheimer's or something, I'll find that I'll find that out. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really interesting to to get your code read. It's your code, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, of course, the next step is playing with your code, which people can do now. <laughs> they can play. You can play with your genetic code. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? How do you play with it? I don't know how to do that. Oh man, you this is uh I'm I'm not the authority on this, but there there is a way to um to basically get um a, what is it? Like it's not a virus. There's a way to get some kind of microorganism to to chop up your DNA and insert it in different places and stuff. <laughs> wow, okay. I didn't so that like, you're in, you're into the future. You you want the future now. Well, I'm just saying it's, this is already possible. They're already doing it. They've already experimented on on human embryos. Right. No, no, I understand that. But you're for your own sake, you're you're getting into stuff where you might be able to predict your own, uh, yeah, yeah, your own story, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. All right. Well, that's interesting. I, I, it's that's sort of frightening to me that you're into that, but it's also very interesting. I, I guess I, I'm an information junkie. Why? But I, I don't sell. I seldom want to know that much about myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe that's uh, that's interesting. Now, you and I would have first uh, encountered each other, I think, at the Hillside Festival when you were like a little kid, um, in your you were, what, maybe around thirteen, maybe younger. Yeah, I was definitely going to that festival younger. Yeah. So I'm. I this is maybe weird. I want to get into your influence, like your early influences as a musician, but I must. I, I have to think. That going to the Hillside Festival, which was, which is and was at the time a pretty eclectic music festival, that must have had some influence on your interest in music. Absolutely, I think Hillside, in particular, uh, definitely opened some some musical doors for me because um, I was going there as um, you know as the the son of a of people who who've been playing there. I think since. You know, early '90s or whenever the when did the festival start? '80s, I can't remember. Yeah, the the festival is 32 this year, I think. So yeah, it would have been yeah, or in the '80s. And your father is 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 David Woodhead. Yeah, so I'd be going with him, and he'd be playing bass or something with um with different kinds of performers there. And then all of a sudden, the festival started booking more kind of alternative or indie rock bands, among other things. They also booked like you know, Kid Koala and like some hip hop stuff and mm-hmm. basically just branched out. And, um, there was one year in particular where I was exactly the right age to be getting into it. I think I was like 13 or 14 and I saw like five bands on arts and crafts and arcade fire. And I think after that festival, I basically went home and started writing songs. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it, I mean, Normally, when I speak to someone on the show about their kind of musical origins, it's it's often you know, well, I just heard the song on the radio, or I got was given a record by someone, or you know, in some cases, my parents played music, so I would was always surrounded by music. In your case, it's actually feasible to suggest that this festival was one of your biggest influences. Yeah, I think so, and and following bands from then on, um, which then kind of. L- led me eventually to, to smaller bands um, that, you know, I became friends with and then started getting influenced by more of like a, 
kind of a scene that, that I was a part, a part of or something. And I mean, you were, your father was friends with John Merritt's father and John Merritt, uh, who John Merritt's father, Scott Merritt. And, and, and John was playing at like 13, maybe younger even in a band called the Bar Mitzvah Brothers. Was, was seeing that important for you? That someone could yeah, play yeah. music at that age? Yeah, the Rose Brothers were awesome. They they were like my favorite band, um, and they were our, our kind of like they were the weird uh, like twin band for our, for our band at that age. Mm-hmm. And like I remember being at John's house, and and uh, actually it was when they were opening for Arcade Fire at Ed Video. Oh yeah, I was at that show. Yeah, yeah, I was at that show, um, and uh, and we were like listening to to the record and stuff, and John was like. Oh yeah, we just finished our first album, and I was like, "Damn, like, we just finished our first song." Uh, we're like thirteen or fourteen or something. Um, um, was and then, was course, it competitive for you? No, no, not at all. I don't think we were we were close, we were close enough. But um, then there was, of course, the Gordons too. Right, Evan and Jordy Gordon, and, and their father James Gordon. Yeah, yeah, and who are still doing amazing things, and and they're super talented. Yeah. So you were you were seeing all these musical families, and the combination of that and your and, and again this hillside these hillside experiences that's really what got you going. That was definitely a, a big big push for me into into getting excited about playing kind of indie rock, mm-hmm. or about taking things into your own hands and doing 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 it. Was there a downside to having a dad who was, you know, basically a, a gigging musician, so to speak? Because your dad would just—he's a—he's a really renowned bass player and and ends up playing on with lots of different people. Is he in a band? Band? I can't recall. Oh yeah, he's—he does. Yeah, he's in a lot of different things. Um, no, I mean, I think that that it's it's been uh, it's been a constant kind of back and forth um, as it is with any like family. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely times when I'm out on the road and uh, I'm thinking like, wow, yeah, I guess my dad was doing that in the 70s and now I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's, it's, is it ever weird? Like, do you ever feel like you're just following in your dad's footsteps? Uh, I don't really feel like that. Um, I think the things that I'm interested in are quite different. In their in the in their context, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, when we started actually playing in our band, it definitely wasn't. It would definitely felt more like a kind of a punk adolescent thing. You know, we were also before before I got into indie rock and stuff. I was really listening to like pop punk along with everyone else in in my school. It's like pop punk and hip hop. Um, pop punk and hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> there were there were basically two crowds, right? Pop punk. Pop punk and hip hop, but I was pretty much down with both. Were there were there particular artists in either realm that you gravitated towards? Oh man, <laughs> this just gets dire though. <laughs> well, you're a kid. I'm just curious. I mean, it's always interesting. Some of them are still good. I mean, I, I fucking loved all the Missy Elliott tracks at that time. Still, you know, Fifty Cent, mm-hmm. still good. Um, Sun Forty One, Blink One Eight Two. Sometimes in the van, we'll, we'll go down that route. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those were the popular things at the time. So you weren't as much as you're involved in kind of more. No, this was three. This was like this was like eleven, twelve. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. Now you uh, came of age in Toronto. 
uh, which uh, and at the time you came of age, I mean, you mentioned some of the bands you would see at, at uh, Hillside or wherever else. I mean, a lot of them that you describe, I think, when you mentioned the arts and crafts bands in particular, a lot of them were um, kind of contributing to a renewed interest and, and a renewed vibrancy in Toronto. Um, and, and now you're in Montreal, and I think you've developed kind of community connections in both those cities. How would you compare uh, the experiences of being in Toronto and Montreal? Well, I was, I was far too young to really be a part of that, um, that Torontopia vibe with, with arts and crafts bands. Um, I was a big fan of them, like especially the first metric record and the first two broken social scene records and stuff. Um, so I, I was, yeah, I was way too young to actually be a part of that. And then when I started playing around with my friends' bands who I actually liked, um, you know, and then into my basically into my early twenties, um, like day month year, the D D M M Y Y Y Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That band is probably you know Black Square. Their record is one of my favorite records. Um, I really liked what, um, like Slim Twig was doing and, um, with, with kind of his kind of sample records, um, probably around, you know, 2008 and, uh, there were, there were a bunch of bands, but it was all a bit more weirdo stuff. Um, I was living in Kensington Market at the time and there were a few kind of house party venues that I'd go and see, see bands at that were much smaller. Um, I really like that band Teen, Ang- Teen Anger now. Yeah, yeah. They're still yeah. going. They're still going. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, yeah, in Montreal, it was kind of the, the Arbutus bands, which are, again, playing like smaller house show kind of things, um, like like Braids, um, Grimes, and... Uh, Sean Savage, Tom Starts Bandit. Um, I mean, did you move to Montreal just for a change of pace from Toronto, or were you drawn to those people? Yeah, I was kind. Of, I was living in in a art space in the in the west side of um, of Toronto, and then the rent just kept on going up and up, and there was nowhere else really like it to move into. Um, and then there were people kind of doing the same thing in Montreal. And so I was like, well, all right, I'm going to go do it there. Mm-hmm. Basically, the idea being that you have a studio in your house and you don't have to pay too much for it. Right. You can make music and no one bothers you. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's basically what's drawn you there. And you're still, I think Montreal had a huge um, wave of interest uh, 10, 12 years ago. And mm-hmm. I, I presume it's sort of, well, I'm, has it settled down? I mean, it seems like Grimes kickstarted a whole new renewed interest in. Yeah, there's and Mac DeMarco was here for a while too. That's I think. Right. Yeah. I think it's a place that a lot of people are going to continue to come through, and there's going to be new artists constantly emerging because it's got such a huge student population, such a creative city. Um, it'll be curious. I mean, Arcade Fire are a bit different, right? Because they actually live here, and I'd like to see more. Um, I'd like to see more francophone people getting exposure, um, you know, as opposed to just a lot of like Anglo students that that kind of move through, Mm um, you know, Regine being like the kind of like the only Francophone musician I can think of in the like alt rock world. Right. At this, at this time anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's like lots of electronic stuff going on here too with, with more like kind of dance music and smaller labels 
doing techno and things that's also really interesting. So yeah, I think there's constantly new growth. Have you ever contemplated leaving music behind to do something else? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, like, All the it. time or, or just once in a no, while? No, no, no. I just, I just have other interests, you know? And do you get to indulge in them? Do you get to explore them? Or do you not have uh, time? You know, and we, it'd be, if I don't become a, a, a geneticist, um, you know, that might be one thing that I have to let slide. <laughs> I think that would take a long time. Maybe there, there are other things that I can, that I can do in my pastime. I basically spent all my time touring and writing at this point. Yeah, and you're doing it. You're what? You're are you still? What are you? Twenty five? Twenty six? Twenty five? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got you've got time. You got time to figure this all out. Yeah, I figured how to like hack my own genes pretty soon. <laughs> Have you contemplated going to school and, and becoming a geneticist? Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. All right. Well, what's what's coming up next for you beyond that? Uh, you've got tour dates. I see. Uh, is there anything? Uh... Yeah, um, I'm I'm back home for the summer and kind of like starting to to write and and um, also kind of tend to my tend to my gardens garden so to speak just hang out a bit over the summer before probably going out again in the fall okay and and so you're slowly writing again yeah yeah and are you at a point point where anything's ready to display at a show or something um yeah yeah they tend to try things out and audition things like live a lot okay. maybe it'll be something at hillside i'm not sure Okay, no, that's good. Well, I, I want to say once again, the new Doldrums album is The Air Conditioned Nightmare. It's out now via Sub Pop, and Doldrums is touring uh, festivals across Canada between now and September, including the Hillside Festival in Guelph, where his main set takes place on Friday, July 24th on the island stage at 10, 10 p.m. You're closing out the uh, the festival on night one. Yeah, it's such an honor. It's great. That'll be fun. And do, do you have a full-on band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's live. You're you're doing stuff. Is it a lot of live musical uh, stuff? Yeah, a lot of samples going around and live drums and percussion and synth and craziness. Okay, so yeah. it's gonna be it'll be nuts. Yeah. Okay. For more information about Doldrums, people okay. can uh, visit subpop.com. Now, Eric, is there a song from the new record that we can go out on here? Sure. Play Hotfoot. Hotfoot. That's the first song. Yeah, it's a good one. What? Why did that one come to mind? Well, I put it first in the record for a reason. <laughs> you like it as a way of introducing people to the thing. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Hot Foot? It's got a very... Play Video Hostage. That's the next one. You want me to play Video Hostage instead? Yeah, yeah. Play Video Hostage. Okay. What, why, what, what is Video Hostage about? Why should I play Video Hostage? You get enough, enough love. It's the, it's the end of the first side? Is that... Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. People don't pay attention. All right. We'll play Video Hostage... By Doldrums, uh, Eric. It was a pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to seeing you at uh, Hillside, and maybe, maybe before then, maybe after. Yeah, you too, man. I, hopefully, I won't uh, tackle you again. Oh yeah, you did. You did tackle me. You remember this? You remember this at the E Bar once? You tackled me, and I, as I was doing an outro or something. Yeah. And it full, hurt. It hurt. Full body. Yeah. I I don't think you were expecting me to go down so hard. Yeah, I I don't know. There was something in the air that night. I just I was so drawn to you. It was smoke. You guys had Spiral Beach had uh, pumped out smoke on stage, and I couldn't see, so I didn't have any peripheral vision. Basically, I was at the mic, being like, "Hey, everybody, say thanks to Spiral Beach," and then you swooped 
you like leapt yeah. through the air and grabbed onto my neck and tackled me to the ground. <laughs> so please don't do that again if I'm introducing Are you going to be introducing us this time? I'm not this sure. I might be, actually. I have no well, idea. Should we should reconsider. Yeah, please don't do it. Don't do it again. <laughs> it, it was very painful. All right. Well, uh, this is, uh, what was it? What are we playing? Video hostage. Great. Thanks, man.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.